0: Welcome to Everything Life Coaching. I'm John Kim.
1: And I'm Noelle Cordo. We are the founders of Lumia.
0: And we're super passionate about all things coaching, and we want to share what we've learned from over a decade of coaching and training thousands of life coaches.
1: Let's dive into the science and magic of coaching. Hello, and welcome to Everything Life Coaching. This is Noelle hosting solo today because I have an amazing guest to introduce everyone to Shanti Zach is a growth coach. One of the individuals who's been through our program, uh, Shanti has an entire business ecosystem support offering for people who do all sorts of things um, that our listeners might be quite interested in. She is a quiz funnel strategist and a manager of humans and so much more shanti how are you i am so good i'm so excited to be here thank you for taking the time and you're such a unique guest because we know each other um it's it, i think it's a great story of how you came to be engaged with lumia it's because of your work as a quiz funnel strategist out in the world that forged this connection. Um, and I wanted to give our listeners kind of a window into all of the different ways that you can work as a coach. And so when, when our worlds collided, I just thought that what you do in the world and who you are in the world is so cool that it's a great story to tell. Um, do you want to give a rundown of, of who you are and how we got to know you?
0: Yes, absolutely. So I believe Amanda, who works with Lumia, was my first sort of point of contact connection to this world of life coaching and not just the broad world of life coaching, but the Lumia specific, absolutely mind-blowingly good curriculum and level of support that you offer people I dug in and encountered everything Lumia is doing and teaching. I was my curiosity was piqued, to say the least. we We ended up working together on the, which I love this quiz. I use it as an example often because it's it's not complicated. It's not overly clever. It's really just meeting people where they're at and asking that question of should you be a life coach?
1: Yes, which is such an important question. And I think it's something that a lot of people consider at one time or another, but don't really think about in terms of their, you know, own life or own evolution. And, um, one of the things that really piqued my curiosity is when we were talking just before we hopped on live and you said that you're a growth coach. And when I first met you, the word coach wasn't in the description of yourself. So can you tell us a little bit more about that story? And yes, Shanti did create our awesome quiz. Many of you have taken it. And if you, um, if you search for it online, you can certainly find it and participate in the fun. Yes. Okay. Let's fast
0: forward. So created the quiz and through that process, did all this research into Lumia and looking at what what life coaching really is. I had no idea. I had no idea that I was already coaching in a lot of ways with clients and students. And I was really called to go deeper so the opportunity to to work through the program um, was so so eye-opening in that, okay, I've been doing a lot of this coaching stuff quite naturally. And also there's so much that I've learned and the understanding of what coaching is has has deepened so much for me. What I do with people. And where the growth coach thing came from, Noel, is really the work that I'm doing is is growing people's businesses, helping them with that. There's, a, but also like personal development growth because that happens alongside business development, and I don't see a way of separating the two, and I never have, but it became very apparent going through the life coaching program. That you offer, that it is all connected. Like the the um, the intersectionality concept, I loved exploring that and looking at that through the lens of as a business owner, as an entrepreneur. And I don't even know if this factors into intersectionality, but can you create a successful business without grappling with so many of the personal Emotional experiences, thought experiences, past experiences, subconscious beliefs, all the things that come up when you go to do that. And so to me, the term growth was like, okay, I think I can run with this because it applies to so many facets of our lives and businesses, if that makes sense. That was a very long winded
1: (laughs) answer. It makes a ton of sense. And I hear this a lot from folks, you know, um, in different Aspects of industry. So, for example, there are a lot of folks who come through our program who are in the wellness space. that might be a yoga instructor, and say, you know, I, I I reach this point with my clients where I know they're cracking open emotionally. I know that they want to get to different levels with like something, and I feel that I don't have a a concrete pool set in order to um, apply and ethically help someone strategically move through essentially the growth stages of their life no matter where they're at and that's one of the hidden things that coach training does do is is wherever your own personal path happens to meet with learning you can't help but be changed by it yourself and begin to naturally you know apply all of the different aspects of coaching so i love that this has um changed the way that you see yourself in terms of your business application. No, you're so much more than just somebody who who owns a business. I I know that you have a very complex and full life. So who are you as a human in the world? Where do you live? What would you like to share to kind of orient everyone around this conversation?
0: Hmm. Yeah, I live in... Kind of the middle of nowhere in British Columbia, Canada, in the Kootenays, which is a very large region and surrounded by mountains, hot springs. Uh, The closest town is 30 minutes away, and there are like two restaurants and a grocery store. It's very small, but so beautiful and such a dream come true because my vision for the last 10 years has been to be able to have a piece of land tend that land nurture it grow things raise my kids i have 3 kids and and create a lifestyle that where nature is prioritized mm-hmm. and where i have the the freedom to Go outside and go into the garden and pull weeds if I don't want to write a marketing email or, (laughs) you know, so homesteading, learning about permaculture design and regenerative agriculture, super interested in all of that outside of my, of my business. And then raising my, raising my babies in this beautiful, beautiful area.
1: Thank you for painting that picture. And, you know, I, I like to bring in the human element because we can talk about our jobs all day. But just as you talked about with your clients, you know, if we're not taking stock of who we are in context, so much gets lost. So, you know, my life is very different. I live in Philadelphia. I don't have kids. I have this company that is, that is very much my baby. Um, I'm raising it. And I live in a big old loft with my husband and my dog. And um, I think where where we have similarities is that, especially in the space of coaching, so many people out there, especially now, especially after the suffering of the pandemic and all of the disparities that have been laid bare in the world and all of the difficulties that people have been experiencing with work, um, wish for objectively what you and I both have, which is independence in a lot of different ways. Um, I know firsthand and I'm sure you have some tales as well that you know it's not as rosy as the Instagram squares all the time and that it's really hard to run a business and I imagine it's really hard to run a business and be a mom and there are times when it's really hard to run a business, to be a mom, to be tending to a piece of land and kind of, you know, make it all work. Um, what's your experience?
0: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a dream come true. And also it is really easy to be your own worst nightmare of a boss. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. (laughs) Like it can be this experience emotional experience of I'm not sure if, if you or anyone listening has ever seen the meme that's like a day in the life of an entrepreneur and it's basically just like this this zigzag with massive ups and downs where one moment you're like I what I'm doing is so meaningful how did I get so lucky? And the next moment, it's like it can come crashing down, like something difficult happens. And I think co- where coaching can come in is to sort of stabilize that roller coaster experience. And it's been really interesting personally. Um, like once in a while, you get a, a reply to an email that feels kind of mean or feels like a personal attack. And it's like, oh, I don't have to take this personally. I can take a step back. And there's, there's just so much happening on the emotional terrain of, I think for anyone, like whether you're an entrepreneur or you are working for someone else or you're a full-time parent or like, it's for anyone. Right. But there is a lot of external influence. Perhaps. Yes. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of feedback coming from all directions.
1: Yes. So as a coach trainer, I want to compliment you on your adoption of the coaching technique. First of all, this is Excellent. One of the things that coaching does 100% is helps both coaches um, and the individuals who are being coached gain access to the benefit you know, of quieting the external influence in order to get really clear and connect with that soul phone of who am I and what do I need in this moment? And what parts of me might need to be soothed and nurtured in order to move on to my next task with strategy and intention?
0: Right. Because you can't carry it all with you. You can't hold all of the feedback, positive or negative, as you continue to move forward. And yeah, what I've been learning is that I can can put those things down. And often the feedback that you're getting isn't even necessarily a reflection of, of you or what you're putting out there. It's, it can also be just someone who is, this happened recently. So I got, I got an email that I, the best way I could describe it is that it kind of hurt my feelings and made me question, am I doing enough? Is this is what I'm creating actually any good? What's the point? All of these, all this self-doubt comes up because of that external feedback. And then, and not even to say that none of it has merit, but to what degree do I need to give it merit and meaning? Mm. And in the same day I went on Instagram and I had gotten this DM again, external feedback for the exact same program. But this time it was so positive. It was like, Wow, thank you so much for creating this. It's so amazing. It totally exceeded my expectations. And I just thought that was a really interesting dichotomy of external feedback to get in one day. For me, as a creator, as an entrepreneur who it feels risky, it always feels risky to create things and put them out there and not know how they'll be received. And to just know that so much of how something is received isn't. Always necessarily one hundred percent a reflection of the work or of what you're putting out there, but also of the people engaging with it.
1: Oh yes, oh yes, and and I, I'm I'm so glad we're talking about this. One of the questions that I was going to ask you before I knew that you had metamorphosized into a growth coach is: What are some of the benefits of coach training for people who aren't interested in becoming coaches themselves? And I felt for a really long time that what coach training does on a very fundamental level is gives people, you know, a straight up user's guide to their emotional experience and to how, um, different pieces of feedback and interaction that we have throughout our days and lives, um, impact us. And then likewise, the way that we choose to use language and the way that we choose to create those pauses might impact others. What, you know, if you're thinking about going through the program and then the, the jump that you made to begin incorporating the word coach into the language that you use to describe yourself, what was that tipping point for you? What was the moment where you said, you know what, like, this is, this is, this works for me and I want to double down on what's working. Yeah.
0: So I think in a lot of conversations I have with, with clients, with students, it, it boils down to what is more effective. Asking good questions that allow them to tap into their own inner wisdom and knowing and process that. And yes, get feedback from me, but not have me necessarily tell them what they should do, like I would in the role of consultant, but for them to also feel into what is the best strategy for them. And yeah, I can help guide you. But this super prescriptive one size fits all formula, or even from a consulting perspective, it's not one size fits all. It is, it is customized, but there's also, I've had, I've had experiences where I'm there listening and then giving someone the step-by-step now, here's what you should go and do. And they don't even take any of that, Information or strategy that I've given them and and implement it. When they do, what I've seen as a pattern, when they do move forward and implement it is often when I take more of a coaching approach to the conversation. And I'm not just there to tell them what to do based on their circumstances, I'm there to ask them questions that will help them reveal the answer and then they can move forward.
1: This is amazing. I am so glad that you got to crack the code of humans in this way. Cause it's it's so spot on. It's so spot on. There are so many aspects of coaching that I love. But one of my absolute favorites is the fact that when we speak, there's no guarantee that the person on the other end has actually heard it. And that's why. In coach training, there's so much emphasis on the back and forth of the coach really gaining clarity and taking the time to gain clarity on what did the client say. Did I get that right? Did I am I getting the essence of where you're at, client? And what do you need, client, in order to move forward? That does so many things. And from the client uh, service provider, provider client creator perspective, one of the things that it does is shifts. The emphasis and responsibility for delivery and success from you as the creator over to your client for accountability in terms of the decision making, the follow up and the follow through and a side outcome that the client doesn't even realize because I'm assuming folks are contracting with you to grow their businesses or to build a a quiz is that they're actually developing self-efficacy and agency through the process. Um, what has it been like for you with your clients as you've shifted in this way?
0: A lot more possibilities
1: Mm. are revealed
0: when we can, when we can go a bit deeper and when I can take my own ego out of that conversation and maybe I don't know best, I don't know all the things that they're working towards that they might be struggling with, that they want to create, And asking questions from a coaching lens and moving away from that prescriptive model has been so liberating for understanding them better and then creating a far more resonant asset as the the outcome if they're working with our agency and, and getting some sort of deliverable and we're creating something for them. So, one of the, the big problems that comes up with writing for other people, whether it's writing content, whether it's writing copy, whether it's writing quizzes, anything at all, is it's the worst feeling when you create something for someone and they get that deliverable and they they feel it doesn't actually reflect them. They, mm. they feel it doesn't reflect who they are or their business or their voice as a someone who does that for others like there's no worse outcome for me if that's if that happens and so in order for that not to happen we have to move from that coaching from that consulting place into that coaching place where they can open up and explore ideas they may, they may not have even explored before Then an interesting thing happens where they're like, I thought I was just hiring you to create this thing for me. And then it would be this like super straightforward process. But actually, I'm here like iterating my frameworks and redefining my offers and reexamining my messaging and all of these far bigger things often come up. So I don't know if that's a bad thing. I think for the most part, it's a good thing.
1: Oh, it it's a great thing because, you know, especially in the space of coaching, you know, as you deepen your mastery as a coach, one of the things that you learn just experientially working with client after client is that the thing that people come in for is sometimes what they need, but there's often a lot more going on. And taking the time to understand the the humans from, you know, the 360 degree Perspective is almost required of the coach-client relationship. It's taking that deep dive because um, nothing exists in a vacuum. So whether you're creating a product for someone or a piece of writing for someone, that piece of of content doesn't create in a vacuum. It's attached to a human, to a business, to the way that that human and that business exists in the world. And we need to understand, back to your earlier point, the intersectional existence of that point of entry in order to really, you know, kind of get in there and do our jobs. You said something that was really important a little while ago. You talked about removing your own ego from the process. And that's something that is really almost sacred to me in terms of the work of coaching. And for me personally, learning how to remove my own ego has had profound transformative implications from my life um for everything from removing body image dysmorphia that's associated with you know, early eating disorders that I no longer feel fearful, you know, when I walk into rooms or, leveling up in my role as a CEO to you know take on new opportunities with the understanding that when I'm listening to people it's not about me um and i i want everyone to know that this is a it's like a gift that you get as a result of going through coach training um what has it been like with you to kind of grapple with this concept in the early stages
0: Mm, Yeah, I'm getting to know how my ego shows up. And it's quite sneaky and insidious. (laughs) (laughs) So so we talked a little bit about that process with clients and that in that sense, it's almost easier for it to not be about me because I'm writing in their voice, capturing their ideas. Um, It's their IP. It's their frameworks. It's a little easier to be a chameleon and let my own ego move to the side when supporting, say, um, a student who's who's newer and like learning so much, and that those beginning years when you're first starting your business or you're putting your coaching practice out there, getting more visible feels sometimes like pushing a boulder up a hill. And I, I see my ego come up as like this sort of this like savior complex a bit where I want to like swoop in and, and, and help people to the point where they're not even asking for that level of help or support or insights <laughs> sometimes. So that is, that one is big because it's like well, wasn't it my job to help them however i can and sometimes the best way to help someone understand something is to give them the space and allow them to live that experience and and learn it on their own and i'm not going to tell someone what the best path for them is but that's what my ego wants me to do mm-hmm. so that's one way that it shows up And then another way that it shows up, and this I think is relevant for any any coach or even consultant because people don't work with us to be, hopefully, to be pandered to and just told what they want to hear. Personally, I've worked with so many coaches and what I always look for is, can this person really be honest and It's not about me, you know, being their friend and this is where the ego comes up. It's like, it's this desire to be liked Mm. that when that overrides truthfulness, I think is so dangerous. So that, those are two ways for me that my ego will, will try and sneak in.
1: Yeah. That desire to be liked is is a biggie. It's a biggie. And that little bugger sneaks into life in so many different places. Um, it's something that coaches especially need to be aware of in their client relationships is kind of like getting to know what that feeling feels like. I've had the benefit of working as a coach for over 12 years, and I've gotten so used to becoming a conduit for someone else's experience with the complete absence of the self, with the complete absence of myself, that I'm I'm able to flow in and out of that space really freely at this point. And I had such an interesting experience. I was at South by Southwest, and I may have told this story before on a podcast, but it really just nailed me over the head. And I—it's I, an important story. Um, I was in spaces with a lot of other people who are just as accomplished as me, or even more accomplished than me, and other women were asking me how I became so confident. So if we're thinking about that juxtaposition of—you know—on one hand, we all have this ego where we want to be liked, and on the other hand, people were were asking me, well, how did you become so confident? And I was taken aback by that question because I had to examine, you know, what was going on for me. Was I actually confident in that moment? Like, how was I showing up? And what I realized is that in those spaces, I was using coaching technique, and what was happening was that I was employing active listening. And I started showing up as a coach and really tuning into others to really hear them because I wanted to learn. And what that looked like to other people was fearlessness. And what that looked like to other people was confidence, perhaps because there was that absence of, am I going to be liked in that moment? I was a student um, and it, it just, it struck me as like, wow.
0: Yeah, that is profound. I could see how that from an outside perspective too, like if you witness someone who's truly present and like deeply listening and in that mindset of the student from the outside looking in, you can see how that would look like confidence.
1: Yes, absolutely. And, and I have to say, It it doesn't really feel like confidence, but it feels lovely to be able to disappear (laughs) and not worry about like, am I liked? It's like, it's like a vacation, you know, from your own ego. (laughs) Oh, that makes me so
0: hopeful to continue with this practice and learning and that goal of it's not about me. It's about the person in front of me and really being present for them and listening on that deep level.
1: Yeah. Do you mm-hmm. do you use coaching technique at all in your personal life? I do in mine. So in, in my personal life, one of the things that um, I do often is ask people for permission. You know, like if there's something sensitive that I need to talk about with, um, you know, anyone, my mom, my dad, my sister, somebody who's in my life, you know, hey, or I want to drop like, a, you know, if I have a problem, it's like, hey, do you have space for this? I want to ask permission. Before moving into a sensitive topic, um, are there any aspects of coaching that you found yourself, I don't know, lobbing on your kids?
0: Oh, I love that permission piece. That one bit me in the butt the other day because I said something to my husband, and and he was kind of taken aback. And then later we talked about it, and he was like, "Well, I just wish you'd have asked me permission before, Aww. like, springing that on me." And I was like, "Whoa, yeah, you're so right." Like, I. get that. And um, even being able to have that conversation without getting triggered Mm -hmm. is huge. But with my kids, one of the, and it's so simple, but in one of our first sessions, we talked about asking questions and we talked about the why question And when we ask how, when we ask a why question, it can sometimes be perceived from the other party as, I don't know if an attack is the right word, I don't think it is, but it can put someone on the defense more so than a question that's a bit more thoughtfully constructed around, tell me more about that, or how did this come up for you? How is this affecting you? Like those gentler ways of asking a question. And we were, the the challenge was to be a little bit more aware of when you're asking why questions. And with my oldest son in particular, who's eight, I caught myself like infinite number of times Asking, like, why are you doing that? Why is this such a big deal? Why, 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 why? And I'm like, every time I'm like, whoa, whoa, of course he's gonna feel he's gonna be on the defense with that. How can I change this around to come across as a bit more thoughtful and sort of sneak under his radar a bit? Because at at eight, even <laughs> he doesn't always wanna like have a nice calm conversation with me. He's just like, leave me alone, mom. I'm doing my own thing. But if I can ask a thoughtful question, he's so much more likely to open up and really think about it. And we can have dialogue instead of having what feels like confrontation.
1: That's so awesome. I love running coaching sequences with little people. Um, it's one of my favorite things to do. And some of the best experiences of my life are talking with like, I don't know, first graders, second graders about brain science. And like, you can't make a decision when you're having a big feeling. And so we have to let the big feeling pass. And thinking about that, that defensive aspect of a why question, why questions trigger our limbic system. And so a why question, no matter who the receiver is, there's a there's a moment where our brains, all of our brains, whether it's a kid brain or an adult brain considers, am I in trouble? Is this thing trying to harm me, you know, in some way? Do I need to run, fight, hide? And what is actually the most effective question? I often in my personal life like to to take it a little bit of a step further and give a prelude from an empathy mapping perspective because people do better when they know what to expect. So the full sequence might look or feel something like, hey, you know, I noticed XYZ. I'm feeling curious or uh, surprised. And I'm wondering if you have space to help me with my curiosity or surprise. So we ask permission, we get the yes, no. And then Can you help me and explain what contributed to whatever made me surprised or curious? (laughs) And then kind of move it through that way. And that sequence, while it might feel a little bit longer to enact, putting those different steps and stages in, number one, orients the listener to the information that they're about to receive so it creates that break for psychological safety and then when you give the setup of like i'm curious i'm surprised and you're asking someone to support you in that we're bringing in altruism so number two we're, we're naturally priming the listener to be a helper and we know that that's when people mm-hmm. are most effective is when they're helping someone else and then finally we move into the ask which is help me understand you know at the end of the day, whatever whatever it is. Um, And it's, it's a, it's a fun sequence to run. I like doing it in my personal life. I like doing it in my professional life. Um, It brings kind of like a calmness to the whole experience. Has your family noticed a change in you coming out of coach training?
0: My husband makes fun of me a bit. He's like, Oh yeah, you're a coach. Now you got your coach hat on. If I get into like, um, even just being a little bit more thoughtful around how I'm asking questions and it's not in like a mean way. It's more of a jest of like, Whoa, this is a big change. Cause I think before I would have a tendency to be more reactive, especially with the kids. Cause like someone dumps a jug of maple syrup and you're like, why? (laughs) (laughs) True story. But is there a more constructive way of approaching that situation? And once my own brain has stabilized and I can get back into frontal cortex, yes, there is a better way so exploring that and being a bit more mindful i think i think particularly my my partner has taken notice
1: i love that and i mean it, hey, jugs of maple syrup. That sounds challenging. Um, I, I I have so much empathy with like the the brain explosion that you must go through in that moment. To <laughs> be like, oh my god, um, how about your team? Because you're you know you're also like a work mom of sorts. You're a manager. Has no. has your team noticed any impact, or have they voiced any impact?
0: Oh my gosh. Yes, we have changed so many things and I feel like there's more of a sense of safety for my team members to come to me when they're dealing with hard things and we can we can talk about it mm-hmm. and no one has to feel like oh, I'm going to get fired if I'm not perfect. It's there's there's just a lot more openness and I see in myself a much less, much less of a tendency to go into like defeatism mode. And I'm, I'm more focused on finding solutions. That's That's magical. Oh, so magical. So magical. And it's like, it's really come full circle just in the last two months, I would say. Because there's certain things that have come up around um, team members feeling like like stressed and we need to change some processes to allow for more spaciousness. And when you're doing creative work, it's not, I mean, creativity moves in cycles. So I can't say to someone like, I'm hiring you full time and I expect you to be creative for 40 hours a week. It's like, no, that's not how it works and so understanding each person who's doing this creative work their cycles what feels most supportive and spacious to them changing things to accommodate that and not thinking like it's my way or the highway
1: that sounds like a really big shift
0: it's been yeah it's been quite quite profound and i love how when we chatted we chatted about this um and a little training you did for my community and you talked about sharing your wins, starting with the positive positive. and we've been doing that, that feels so good. We had this beautiful like, spring ritual recently where everyone just got to share like what seeds they're planting in the spring um, oh. as a metaphor of things they're working toward, not just in the business, but in their lives, because it's all, it's all relevant. It all matters. And I want to
1: know, I want to know these things. That's awesome. It, you know, it sounds like you've really been able to tune into the whole person perspective of the folks that you work with. And, you know, that's one of the joys of coaching, I think, is, you know, when we take on clients and they come to us with X problem that they want to solve, it's also about their whole lives. It's also about the seeds that they're planting in the spring. Literal or metaphorical. And then, you know, a lot of individuals like to use coaching as a management theory, but we're just really beginning to enter the public's consciousness in terms of a like, this is how you do it type way. And there's no right answer. And so, folks like you and I who are running this with our teams are some of the first out there to be experimenting with this work. So, I hope that you have the opportunity to talk a lot more about this publicly to your clients, to your audience, to your community, because um, I feel that the world needs to know (laughs) about the the impact that's created through these slight tweaks that are actually pretty simple once you take your ego out of it and really good for everybody.
0: Oh my gosh. I've never thought about it that way, but you're right. Of course, in most work settings it's we're just following the blueprint we've been given which has been proven to be so inadequate and at Mm. times ridiculous like even something we've been talking about as a team is this like nine to five concept that that was invented by henry ford and based on men's testosterone cycles oh good day and when they would be most efficient. And yet we have adopted this model for all of humanity.
1: (laughs) Wow. That was a gem. I, I want, I have so many questions. I, we're going to have to do a part two podcast. Um, (laughs) I, I appreciate this conversation so much. And um, I also want to give folks the opportunity to discover you and your community and your world and your ecosystem. Um, Can you tell everyone where to find you and what the different entry points are to all of the work that you put out in the world?
0: Yes, absolutely. My website is shantyzack.com. And there are many ways from there to Join my email list. That's where I communicate most consistently um, and send out what I hope are entertaining and informative emails to support you in building your own business ecosystem. And you can also find me on Instagram at Zach. I have a few quizzes of my own out there in the world. So you can find those from my website. and. Uh, yeah feel free to shoot me a message on on Instagram too if you just want to say hi and I'm happy to connect
1: that's wonderful well you know speaking of connections I am so glad that we found you to build our beautiful quiz and I'm so glad that you got curious about coaching took our program and thank you for taking the time to so vulnerably share the transformation that it's been to go from consultant to coach in your world you know 360 um it's a really beautiful story and i'm i'm so proud of you and so happy for you Ah, uh, thank you Noel. thank you so much awesome all right friends well we will catch you next time be sure to check out Shanti's world and we will catch you next time Thanks for listening to Everything Life
0: Coaching. If you're feeling the draw to become a coach, head to lumiacoaching.com slash everything. Explore a new career that brings fulfillment, gives you a true sense of purpose, and a bold community to do it with.
1: Lumia is ready to equip you with the tools, training, and community you will need to reach your goals. If you're ready to build a unique coaching business on your own terms, while making an impact on the world at large, Lumia is the next bold step in your coaching journey. That's lumiacoaching.com slash everything. And hey, if you're waiting for a sign, this is it.